We have a special guest this morning. Please join me in giving a warm welcome to the six-time Olympic wrestling champion, Milo of Croton. Milo, it is said that you won your first championship as a boy, and you trained for this event by hoisting an ox over your shoulders. I beg your pardon? I hear you're full, not an ox on my shoulder. Let me tell you how it happened. As a boy, my father was a farmer. He gave me a cap for my 12th birthday. I love that little guy. Every day, my father would say, How's your calf, Milo? Bring me your calf. Thank you, Milo of Croton. So one small act of obedience every day has a huge payoff in the end. All right. Isn't that good? Okay. So today we're going to be talking about goal setting. And uh, thank you for coming on Super Bowl Sunday. So that's, you must not be fans or something. But goal setting today, it's like I almost planned it that way, right? Because what's... Like, if, if you're playing in the Super Bowl and you're not concerned about goals, guess what? You're going to lose. And so if you're wondering, like, who I'm rooting for today, I wore blue to represent the team that I like. So there you go. That's as... I, I know. I know. I'm not going to tell you. You know, I, uh, I had this weird thing about when I, I, I used to travel quite a bit. Uh, I always ended up in cities when uh, they won, like, some... Incredible thing. So last year I was in Seattle when they won the Super Bowl. Most annoying thing in the world. Because I'm trying to get to the airport. I mean, I barely made it. Because, I mean, when, when they won, everybody just kind of like poured out into the city and it just gridlocked the whole city. And it was really annoying. I used to live in Seattle um, before 2012. Nobody wore Seahawk jerseys then. Or hats or anything. There were no Seahawk fans in Seattle back then. But now... Now you can't walk down the street without being bombarded with green and blue and Seahawks everywhere. It's, I don't know. It's kind of annoying. And one year I was, uh, I was traveling. I was in Greece. And uh, I, was, I was sleeping in, um, in a town square in Athens. And uh, I, I can say uh, I, I, did, I didn't plan ahead. I didn't set goals to get there on time to where I could get a hotel room. So I ended up sleeping in the town square. And um, it was cold, not the, most, not the safest environment in the world. Um, and all, they, they won like the World Cup or, or semifinals or something. And so all of a sudden, I mean, it was just dead, I mean, pitch quiet. I mean, dead of night. And then within a few seconds, all these crazy Greeks are running out into the square and tearing stuff up. And it was, it was really weird. And I just woke up like terrified, like they're going to lynch me or something. Or, anyway, that's just been my, my experience. 
kind of one of the weird things. But anyway, goal setting. Why, 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 do we, why, why are we talking about goal setting? You know, if, you are, if you're partaking in the Daniel plan, you realize that, okay, I've got to have some type of a mindset to, to set some goals, to, to, to be able to measure. Because if you're not measuring, you know, your, your lifestyle, you're just really not going to get anywhere. And I got to tell you, I, um, goal setting does not happen naturally to me. I am not a planner. I'm the kind of guy that likes to throw things on the wall and see what sticks. Uh, my, my philosophy is are the best parties are the ones that are not planned, right? Right? The best parties are the ones that are not planned. Can I get an amen, right? Because, you know, you, you overplan this party and, and then they're boring. So the, ones, the, the really great parties are the ones that are spontaneous where things, crazy things happen and it's exciting. God's like that too. God's spontaneous. He's exciting. He he uh, he comes in on your reality. He wrecks you. He he, you know you 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 catch the football right, and that is absolutely that's one of the best feelings or the emotions that you can get, especially when you be when you when you step across that line of faith when you when you get saved, it's like you like you caught the ball right, <laughs> like you're the most important player on the field. Once you catch it, what's next? You got to run. You got to run, and you got the in your mind. You have to set goals. Okay, you got to be in it to win it, right? You raise your hand if you're in it to win it. You've got to be in it to win it. In your marriage, you got to be in your marriage to win it. In your finances, you've got to be in it to win it. Uh, Raising your kids, in it to win it. Your spiritual life. Got to be in this thing to win it. Do not choose to plateau. Do not stop. Once you get that ball, once God gives you that ball, and that's that spontaneous spark, once you get it, you got to move forward. And, and in your mind, you've got to set goals. The end zone, that, that's, that's the prize. But all you really need to do is get maybe five yards, maybe 10 yards. You know, you need to, you need to, you need to in your mind, set these goals. Goal setting is a spiritual discipline. That's point number one on your outline. And that is probably something that will rub a lot of people wrong, the wrong way. Especially, the, like me, the intuitive type. How many people are intuitive? They like to feel their way around something, right? That's me. I, I gauge and I judge everything intuitively. And there's a lot of strength in that, but there's also a lot of weakness in that. So in the, in the realm of faith... Intuitive people can be extremely powerful, but they can also be extremely weak because they, have, they, they choose not to develop the spiritual, I'll say it again, the spiritual gift of goal setting. It's a discipline. It's actually God calls us to set spiritual goals. And boy, this is hard for us charismatics because we feel like the Holy Spirit is leading us in, in you know, whooshing us around, and things just happen to us spontaneously, and if, then it's God. And if things do not go our way, if we are if we are faced with failure, or we're stuck, or we've plateaued, then it then it must God's not in it. Then I guess, right? If you see somebody else plateau, oh, there must be sin in their life. No, I, you know what? You know what is keeping most believers and most Christians moving forward is because. Um, they, they haven't developed this part of the spiritual discipline. They've caught the ball, but they haven't set the plan. 
They haven't set a goal just to go five yards. This, it's really important. Actually, it's the heart of God to plan. Did you know that? Yeah, he, he's very spontaneous, extremely creative and intuitive, but God plans. And we've got to get it into our minds that God has a goal for history. He's, he's made a plan for history. It hasn't unfolded yet. That's exciting. You know that God's got a plan for, for all of humanity, and it hasn't, it, it's coming to fruition. We, we're seeing things un, unravel right now. We, we're seeing some very interesting prophetic uh, things that are, that are uh, coming to light. So God's plan is being unfolded in history today. The most exciting time on the planet to be a Christian, in my opinion. Think about that. If you, I mean, if you're bored with Christianity, just delve in. Look at what God's doing in the world. He's also got a plan for your life. He's got goals for your life, and he wants you to get on board. But let's, let's look at um, your outline, and let's read that first verse there. Uh-oh. There it is. God plans. Let me circle that part. God plans to bring all of history to its goal in Christ. Then Christ will be the head of everything on heaven and on earth. So what are the two words that really popped out of there? God plans to bring, its, uh, to bring history to its goal in Christ. So God's got, God's got end zone in mind, and the end zone is Christ, to bring Christ to earth, so he, where Christ actually rules the planet. And so I want to encourage you to embrace goal setting as, your, as a spiritual discipline. All right, it's easy to do if you're changing your, your health lifestyle. Say, okay, I gotta plan. I'm going to weigh myself, and then I'm going to my goal is to lose five pounds in a month. That's a goal. Uh, to look at the, the fashion magazines and men's health and say, wow, I would really like to look like that. But you don't put a time limit on it. That's not a goal. That's a dream. Dreams, are, you, you cannot live your life without a dream. You can't live your life without vision. In order to see the goal, to see the vision come to fruition, it has to have feet. It's got to, it's got to have some actions, and it's got to have time to it. You've got to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get myself out of debt in, in six months. Well, that's impossible. I'm going to get myself out of debt in five years. Is that more realistic? Right, okay. And so, it, okay, now that dream of becoming debt-free now has a goal to it. It's got some feet to it, and you can break it down from there. It's a discipline. Now, we all know that they're, they're okay, you talk to any psychologist, you go to any marriage and family uh, therapist, counselor, uh, you, go, you talk to any doctor, and what are they, what's, their, what's their secret to success in your life when you're in the, when you're in the hospital? They're going to give you goals. They're going to give you obtainable goals. If you're, you know, if you're in the hospital bed, they're going to say, Okay, today you're going to sit up. You, might, you may or may not, but they have set a goal for you. Uh, family and marriage uh, counseling, they're going to say, okay, you're going to have a goal that this week you're going to have a family meeting. Okay, so you've got set goals. Okay, so we all, we all know that they work, right? 
We all know that if you need help, if you need secular help, they, will, they are going to graft goals into your life. But the same is true spiritually. If you, are, if you feel like you've plateaued spiritually, if you feel like you cannot feel the presence of God anymore, set spiritual goals. It's a spiritual discipline. What's a spiritual goal look like? There's some easy ones. Sabbath is a big one. It was in the top ten, right? The Ten Commandments. Keep the Sabbath. Keep it holy. You want to get closer to God? Set aside one day a week. That's why you guys are incredibly awesome because you're here in church right now and you're, and you're not scraping your grill off. You know? You're not, you're not filling the bowl up with chips and dip. You are, you are, you are in church. So, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. Or something. No, don't do that. I, uh, yeah, you can pat your neighbor. But see, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, daily time with God. Prayer. Connecting with God through prayer every day. A lot of people don't do it. Maybe they do it when they pray for a breakfast or whatever, but most people, they, 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 do, they can't do it. Usually pain is what pushes them to prayer. But that's a spiritual discipline. Not a religious practice, but a spiritual discipline. Reading the Bible is another one. A daily getting into the Word will be another goal. The very obtainable, the very small bites, but it's, it will get you to the next level. Okay, next thing that goals do is they, um, they focus your energy. Uh, again, for, me, for us intuitive types, this is tough because we're all over the page. We like to multitask. You know what? Again, this is secular research. Multitasking doesn't work. It doesn't. I mean, you've got to, you've got to be a, a Mozart or a Beethoven to be able to multitask and, and to be successful at it. But let's, you know what? There's not a whole lot of geniuses on the planet. And hope I don't hurt your feelings. There's not a whole lot of geniuses in this room. <laughs> so, um, all right. So, um, I, I, you know, I, I, my mind, my mind is at a million different places at once. And I know that in order for me to uh, set goals and to see them through, I need to be focused. I, I have to personally discipline myself to be focused on one specific thing. And if, I'm, uh, if I have dispersed my energy throughout my week, my time, to a million different things, a million different projects, they're not going to get done. If I'm cleaning the house and I'm doing the kitchen, the bedroom, the laundry, the garage, all at the same time, guess what's going to get done? Nothing. But if I focus my attention on one room, I can get that one room done in one day. And then I feel good about myself, right? Because I actually accomplished something. How, how does it feel like when you've worked your entire day and you go home and you cannot figure out what you did? Doesn't that feel gross? Like, what did I do with my life today? I have no idea. But if you can, look, if the goal is laser-centered and if it's focused, things get done and they get done sequentially. Goals help us to focus on what's really important. Again, my mind is everywhere, and I, I've got a lot of things that interest me. Just this last week, um, for those of you that don't know me, I was, a, I was a museum director, and then I was an antique dealer in my previous life. 
So museum directors are the humanities. Uh, antique dealers are people that cross over to the dark side. So they're the scum of the earth, right? They're just awful people. And um, auctioneers, antique dealers, don't trust any of them. I'm telling you right now. They're going to lie to you. And, um, and they'll steal too, right? So, um, so that was my previous life, and I, and I enjoyed it, and I had fun. And so occasionally um, things come into my, my sphere through old colleagues or whatever. And so I turned down a, a big estate sale last week, a moneymaker. And I was really excited to do it because it's like, oh, my gosh, I get to hang out with sinners again. You guys are just way too sweet. I mean, you just, you know what? It's just not, you guys are not the real world because you guys are so nice and I can completely trust you in everything. And it's just, so I need to get around some sinners, people that will steal from me and take advantage of me. To get, get, you know, get some reality back into my life. And so I was really excited about doing it. And, and I was having coffee with somebody, somebody over here. And just talking about, you know, you need to, you know, you need to be focused on, on what God's called you to do. I'm like, ah, shut up. But see, he was right. He was right. He was absolutely right. You know, in my mind, I'm, I'm organizing my life. I could easily do this. I could do a three. I could do a three day sale. I could blow this thing out. I could make some cash. Hang out with ungodly people. It's going to be great. I'll just you know rearrange the speaking schedule a little bit. Not show up for church. Slack off all my responsibilities. Skip out on those counseling appointments. Right? Do you see where I'm going? Easily, I could have easily have justified it. So goals need to be focused. You know what you're called to. Know what, know what you need to be doing. Stay focused on one thing. Proverbs says um, the, the, the man that has uh, undivided attention, he's unstable in all of his ways. So if you're, if you're juggling too many balls, you are unstable in all your ways. It, it affects your whole life. It affects your spiritual life. It affects your relationships. Pick what you're good at and do it. I don't know. Preaching to myself here. I don't like that. All right, number three. Uh, okay, goals stretch my faith. According to your faith, it has been done to you. So goals, um, okay, when, you, when you set a goal, right, I could easily set some, some goals that I could feel really good about, right? I could say, all right, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put some gas in my car by the end of the day. That's right. That's a pretty easy. I can do that, right? When we engage in the spiritual life, goals should stretch our faith. Not only should we be setting goals that we can accomplish, we ought to be setting goals that we're unable to accomplish without God's help. That's tough. Next major point is that goals will build my character. Goals are out to build your character. Now, again, if you are setting goals that you can, that you can accomplish, but more importantly, you're, you're going after dreams and visions and you're putting some feet to it, making goals on 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 things that you cannot do, this is where God wants you. God wants you to uh, step out in faith. He wants you to live a life of faith because it makes him happy. If you're not expressing yourself in faith, the things that you put your hands to, 
I guess you could deduce that God's not happy. I'm not quite sure. Like if you can do everything within your own power and you do not need God, God says, I, I mean, again, like you deduce it, God's, of course God's happy with you. But you know what I'm trying to say, right? We want to please God and we cannot please God outside of faith. So here's the huge challenge that's on the plate. Do things that you cannot do within your own power. Why? Because it will test and push your character. God is really concerned about your character. Your whole life is a character test. Everything that we do here and now, the things that we face, the trials, the tribulations, the temptations, they're to test our mettle. And, and we know this to be true, too, because, uh, okay, we had our great thespians, you know. The Greeks knew it. Hollywood knows it. Cinema knows it. They know that the things that trans, that, 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 that changes people, that, that completely transforms people, is when people are faced with impossible odds and they go into the lion's den or they go into the void. The heart of darkness. Remember Conrad or Apocalypse Now? They go into the heart of darkness because it, when you're faced with impossible odds and things that you cannot do on your own and you allow God to move in you, it changes who you are. And it changes your character. And then the next thing that it does, number five, is goals will give you hope. And we've got to have hope. If you are... If life is, all right, show of hands, is life hard? Yeah, raise your hands. Everybody raise your hands. If life is not hard, then I, write, write us a check or something. You know, make a big, giant, fat giving check today if life is not hard for you. I know, just naughty today, aren't I? Um, life is very difficult. I don't care who you are, what demographic you fall into. Life's hard. You're going to lose loved ones this year. You're going to face financial difficulties. Friends are going to stab you in the back. You're going to get sick. Life's hard. You, I, the church body, have to have hope. And when we have a goal that gives us hope, uh, I mean, huge psychological studies done uh, on the, the death camps in Auschwitz and, um, you know, the, when the Nazis were killing Jews. The Jews that survived were the ones that had goals, the ones that had hope. There was this really weird thing. Those that gave up hope, they're like, all right, I, I just quit. They died quickly. Those that gave up hope died quickly. Those that had a goal saying, I'm going to get out of here someday. Those that put their hands to something, no matter how menial or insignificant it was, it gave them hope to continue, to get on, to move, to have, to have success. And they survived. And we just almost need to take on that, that type of an attitude. It's like, okay, I gotta, I know if, I know my health is in bad shape, but in a year, if I lose 20 pounds, I'm gonna be healthy. That's hope, Right? That will keep you going. And if you do not have that goal, you will find yourself in a hopeless state. Now, 
That goes, okay. I can't tell you how many goals I have set and blown. I, I like, I'm just like really good at it. I mean, I have set goal after goal after goal after goal, and and they don't get done. Like one, like one year is like, okay, I'm going to read 24 books in a year. That didn't happen. You want to know how many books I read? I read eight. Eight out of 24. I didn't reach my goal. But I read eight books. If I hadn't have set the bar to 24, how many books do you think I would have read that year? Maybe one or two. And I have a problem like actually finishing books. That's my big issue right there. Because I'm all, like, all over the place, right? So if you're frustrated because you failed in setting goals, just look at what you accomplished. And you've got to tell yourself, what, if, if I hadn't set that goal, no matter how lofty or how high, would I have even done a little bit? Would I have even, okay, I wanted to lose 20 pounds, but in reality I lost 10 pounds, so therefore I'm going to give up? No. Like, praise the fact that you lost 10 pounds. Praise the fact that you read eight books. Don't beat yourself up for not crossing that line. Like, failure is a part of the game. It's a part of the game in life, and it's especially a part of the game in faith. If, you're, if you, you want to grow in faith, if you want to grow in your ministry and what God has called you to do, failure is a part of the game. Guarantee it. And you've got to be okay with it. You have a bump, you have a failure, you hit a hurdle, and you, you trip and you fall over the place. Get back up. Keep on running. Don't quit. Have you ever been through hell? Like, like there's seasons in life. There's seasons in life where we're doing good, where we have victory, where we're really, you know, moving forward, right? And there's like blah seasons, like, eh, I don't... Everything's boring and bland, right? There's those seasons. And then there's hell. Hell on earth. Like everything goes wrong. And I don't care who you are or how spiritually mature you are, you will go through hell. It's life. But you, you want to know what the trick is when you are going through hell and you're going through the fire? You know what you got to do or not do? When you're going through the fire, don't stop. What happens if you're going through the fire and you stop? <laughs> you, you get burned. Goals that keep you moving forward, that give you hope, will get you through hell. We all need it. We all need it. So set those goals. All right, now here, this is important. Uh, the next five points on your outline is uh, the condition of your heart. Because, again, the secular world is all about setting goals and all about improving yourself, all becoming a better person for society, blah, 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 right? What's the motivation for setting goals? What kind of, okay, here's the thing. You can do goals that, that, that you can do, but you know what's even better? Is that when you are committing yourself to goals that, you, that God wants to bless. I say that again. God wants to bless your goals, And one of the biggest yay gods, one of the biggest victories is when God blesses a goal before the time period ends. Let's say I wanted to read 12 books this year. And then I, like, I, I pull a Jack Kerouac and I read all 12 in two days. 
That's God blessing my goal, where it, where it, 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 just, it takes on a life of its own. It has a spiritual energy in and of itself. Those are really cool. And so what I'm going to challenge, this again, this is another major challenge, is I want you to begin to adjust the way that you think and the way that you feel, your, your motivations, your intentions, your ambitions, are your ambitions, what you are driving for, you got to ask yourself this question. Is this something that God would bless? Oh. That shady business deal that you're involved in. Hmm? Where maybe it's kind of in the gray area, right? Maybe there's a little bit of money under the table. Will God bless that? I want each and every single one of you to advance in your careers. It's extremely important to you. It's extremely important to the body of Christ. Something that we pray for, that everybody has the favor of God and the favor of man. How many people want to get promoted this year? Like that's one of your goals is I want a promotion. I want a raise. I want a higher paying job. I want to hire, I want to, I want to, I want a better position. I want to be able to move up into management, whatever it may be. You have to ask yourself the same question. Is God going to bless my motivations, my ambitions in this? Am I in it to win it for the kingdom or, or am I in it for me? Oh, those are tough questions, right? Can God bless my ambitions? Can God bless my motivations? Like, you might have a sweetheart deal. It, you might, like, it's in the basket, right? It's a home run. Can God bless it? Because if God can bless it, not only will it be a home run for you, it will be out of the ballpark. You know, you might get a double, but when God's in it, it's over the fence, right? Can God bless my plans, no matter what they are? All right. So, number one, are your goals godly goals? Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Okay, so whatever we're eating and drinking. Okay, so let's put this into the context of the Daniel plan. Because the Daniel plan is about living a healthy lifestyle. It's about getting healthy so, you know, you don't die with diabetes or high cholesterol or all these heart disease. We need healthy, strong Mentally sharp, physically capable Christians in the body of Christ. If you're sweating every day, you're less likely to be depressed. If you're eating healthy, you're going to get smarter. If you have more energy during the week, you can play with your kids when you get home from work and you're not going to be exhausted. So this is a big deal. It actually, what you eat and what you drink... As we read, it brings glory to God. So that's a really good motivation. But most of the time, especially in our culture, our motivation for losing weight and getting healthy, what's it for? It's for ourselves. All we got to do, maybe not this gym over here, but maybe some of those other gyms. But let's, go to, let's do a field trip to some of these other gyms, and you're going to see it. Because they got mirrors everywhere, Right? And they're all, it's all about worshiping their own bodies, right? So that's their motivation. That's the key. 
They, they, we talked the last week, we talked about the idea that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But a lot of people, they engage in a healthy lifestyle because they are the temple. They are the God in their temple. That makes sense. So it's a really hard thing to adjust in our mind. Number two is that uh, godly goals, goals that God wants to bless. And here's the key to the whole thing. This is probably the most important point. Is they've got to be motivated by love. Love. Most of the time when we, when we are uh, compelled to change, like we need to change, like our marriage is going down the tubes. We need to change, make some changes. My body is falling apart. It's t- you know, I punched my party card. It's time to start making some changes. What's the motivation? It's pain. So pain is pushing us to change. That's okay. That's, that's actually biblical. God will make things uncomfortable in your life to push you away from the brook, to, to make you change. It's okay. But there's also things that pull us into change. And the incredible thing about love, if you can get beyond pain and being motivated by, by pain and guilt or whatever it might be, if you can get beyond that, if you can be motivated by love, it goes from a push to a pull. And being pulled into change is better than being pushed into change. So again, there's another huge challenge for you. Okay, love is the most powerful force in the universe. God doesn't distribute love. He is love. So there's the motivating factor. Is is love compelling you? Is love your ambition? Love for God and love for others. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it because you love God? Why are you you, uh, getting involved in this project? Do you love people? Let's see what it says. Everything you do must be done with love. 1 Corinthians 16.4. And then uh, I think this is in Corinthians 2. I don't have the reference. But it says uh, in the NLT version, it says, love is the ultimate goal. So we're setting goals, right? Love is the end zone. Love is the ultimate goal. And all right, think about this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That was a goal. That was God's plan. That ought to motivate us. That that should should be like a huge driving factor. God sacrificed his son for me out of love. That's pulling me into something that is beyond myself. God, what does that look like? Love is a mystery too. God is pulling you into an incredible mystery of life. All right, next number number three, goals that God blesses. God will bless a goal if it fulfills a life purpose. We've all been created for a purpose in life. Uh, we're, we're, we were made to worship God. Like what we did this morning, you were made to do that. Corporate worship. But even what you put your hands to is worship. Work is worship. Whether you're typing something out on the computer, we ought to see that as an act of worship. It's fulfilling a purpose. You know, 
that job that you have, maybe you're not a pastor or maybe you're not doing something super spiritual with your life. It can and should give glory to God. It can fall into God's purpose for your life. So don't downgrade what you do for a living. Sweeping the floor can be the most powerful expression of worship on the planet if it's done with the motivation of love. If it's done in, like, this is my purpose in life, and I'm going to do it for the glory of God. No matter what we do, if we do it for the glory of God, it's an expression of worship, it will fulfill our purpose. Fellowship is another one. You have a godly goal. Does it, uh, does it strengthen fellowship and community? Does it, does it build tight relationships? Do you know that Super Bowl Sunday, and when you are engaged in dipping chips and drinking diet soda, watching the game, not saying bad words at the TV, that that, that, is an, that could be a spiritual discipline of fellowship. It's an incredible opportunity to engage in the body of Christ. It's okay to have fun with church folks. Do it. Laugh. It fulfills your purpose on the planet. Discipleship. Um, look, God's going to bless plans when you... Recapture the Christian mind and you begin to really delve into what the Bible says about orthodoxy, about truth. Acting it out, living it out. Uh, evangelism. Yeah, okay, that's kind of a really bad taboo word. I think most people, most Christians don't like the idea of evangelism because it feels like you're, you're proselytizing or that you're pushing your beliefs on somebody else. I totally get that. That's why it's kind of weak right now. Um, I have a goal for evangelism this year. And I've already blown it. Because, uh, okay, I had this crazy idea that I'm going to invite 10 people to church every week. I did it for the first two weeks. Right? So now I'm down to two a week. <laughs> That's just the reality of it. That's just the truth of it. But see, I, God's going to bless those plans, and he already has. Because they're godly goals. And it's not that, um, again, it's not the attitude of proselytization. The motivation is love. I got a hold of a young man in the village the other day. I, can't, I couldn't figure out if he was high as a kite or possessed by legion. There was something wrong with this kid. <laughs> I got a hold of him. It really wasn't about dragging him to Granite Creek to build our attendance number. I loved him. My heart broke for him. I had something that he didn't have, and I gave it to him. I gave him the gospel. No strings attached. That's evangelism. You have something the world desperately needs. They've got to have it. It's the hope. It's the hope of glory, and you, get the, you can share it. And then uh, ministry. Uh, God's got a specific thing for you that will advance the kingdom of God, heaven on earth, where Jesus can reign and rule, and, and only you can do it. I mean, that could be as simple as going to the food bank and feeding the poor, organizing your own little ministry here in church, a small group, 
A lot of us needed to really step out in faith to do something that pleases God and lead a home group or a Bible study. I'm not, you know, Pastor Josh, I'm not equipped. Um, it's okay. That's all right. We're just going to kick you off the ledge, right? But we're not going to let you fall. We've got something to share. And we're going to make an environment where we can support you and help you to share your story. All right, and then number four, again, this is kind of a repeat. Uh, God, uh, goals that God likes to bless are goals that are done in faith. Hebrews 11.6, great verse. It's impossible. Uh, without faith, faith, it's impossible to please God. Um, we have this, this problem. It's called our sin nature. Mm. And every, every thought, every decision, every action that we make and that we move in in a, in a fleshly or carnal desire uh, that is not done in faith, technically it's sin. So you've been sinning all morning long. So have I. It's the grace of God that says, all right, let's move forward. Let's push forward. But I'm going to push you forward into areas of faith where it's only me that can do it. And that, that, that takes us to our last point, is that goals that God wants to achieve, goals that God wants to bless are only achieved through God's power. Zechariah 4.6, you will not succeed by your own strength or power, but my spirit, says the Lord. Isn't that cool? You can't, I mean, we don't have the willpower to make the change necessary in our lives. This is why, this is why we only go two weeks on a diet. This is why we only budget for, you know, do our, our, our financial budget for two weeks and then blow it. This is why, uh, like, we only go to marriage class for a little while and then we, we, we blow it. Because we're doing it within our own willpower. A goal that we allow God to move in will change our lives. And when we are, when we are working in our goals, guess what? Okay, when we got the... Write them down. Write down what your goals are. Write down what your relationship goals will be. These are personal goals for you. Write down what your relationship goals, your, your career goals, your financial goals, your health goals, your spiritual goals. Write them all down and begin to work on the goal. And you know what the amazing thing is? When you are working on the goal that, that you believe that they're the ones that God wants to bless, God will be working on you changing, molding, transforming your character into his likeness. But if you are not working on your goals, you've tied God's hands into working on you. Does that make sense? Like if you're, you're going to stop in hell, God can't work on you. You're just going to... You're going to fizzle. You're going to die. You're going to burn out. You get your hands doing these things that you believe God wants to bless and that God's called you to do. You've got to allow him to work on you 
while you are working on your goals. And again, if you are not working on any of these goals and any of these, these areas of life, God can't work on you. All right, let's get the band ushers come to the front as they're on their way up. Um, I think you guys are amazing. The test of character, again, it's to, it's to change and to transform you. The last series we did was on, was on the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe those are some areas that you need to continue to ask God to help you with. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, and self-control. Put some, put some goals on the fruit of the Spirit so that you can become more Christ-like. That's the ultimate goal, that we reach that level of love. What's it look like if you love your wife more? How can you measure that? What's it look like to be faithful? Can you actually measure faithfulness in your life? What's it look like to be patient? Can you measure patience in your life? Are you more patient today than you were last week? Let's pray. God, right now, we just thank you so much for this glorious day. All right, now, I just pray that uh, as we are going into new territory, a lot of us, have, a lot of us are making changes this, week, this year. We're making resolutions. We've set goals. And I, I got to pray right now that we will, we will try our hardest, that we will run this marathon and not this sprint that when we hit a hurdle, we're just going to get right back up and start running again. We'll make specific, measurable, time-sensitive goals for our life, and especially for our spiritual life. God, right now, I just pray for every single one that feels like they have plateaued spiritually. And God, right now, I just pray that you will, you will, you will, your spirit will intercede for them, that your Holy Spirit will draw them closer, I pray that we will just move forward and set goals spiritually as well. Pray you bless this offering, Lord, to its fullest extent. We love you, God. Pray that you would bless our fellowship today around the TV screen. In your name, amen.